I'm reading from Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse number 9. This is a story of Moses. Many of you have heard this story. This is where God calls Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. Now we just finished a series where we were going through the life of Joseph and the people of Israel were, were a small family. I mean, just a few dozen. And now they've grown to two million people. Two million in just a few generations. And this new Pharaoh, he doesn't remember Joseph or what he did for the nation of Egypt. And so they enslave the people of Israel. And now they're serving as slaves to, to Egypt. And God calls Moses to deliver his people. And this is what it says. Exodus chapter 3 verse 9. And now behold, this cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? This is a series we're kicking off today called Identity Theft. And we're talking about taking back the you that's been taken from you. See, we live in a culture where a lot of us have lost our identity. A lot of us are feeling all kinds of feelings of insecurity or inadequacy. Today I'm talking to you about laying down your feelings of inadequacy. Because I think that we have an identity that's rooted and must be rooted in Jesus Christ. But so many of us are caught up in an identity that's what the world says or what the world tells us we should have. So he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I will be with you. How many know God is with you? He's with you even when you don't feel like you're good enough. Even when you feel like you don't have enough. Even when you feel like God can never do something through you or with you, God is still with you. He says, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So today we're talking about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. You know that you got to let go of something before you can grab hold of something else. And so in this series, we're going to talk about the things that we got to let go of, the things that we got to lay down, the things that we got to give up so we can grab hold of the true identity that we have in Jesus Christ. So I want you right now to turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and tell him it's about to go down and you can be seated. Come on, can we give some love to our worship team? They lead us every week. Oh, you can do better than that. There we go. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Man, I'm really excited for this series. Uh, why don't we throw up the slide? I want you guys to see where we're going in this series over these next few weeks. Can we throw up the slide with what's coming up? So, like I said, we got to let go of some things if we're going to grab hold of something else. So we got to let go of some things to take off the identity that is found in Jesus that he's called us to have. So here's what we're going to do over these next six weeks. We're going to be looking at these factors or these areas of our life that a lot of us are holding on to. So we're going to lay down my feelings of inadequacy, let go of my need for control. We got any controlling people in here? Yeah, I thought so. Um, letting go of my longing for approval. 
Part four, letting go of my right to be offended. Part five, letting go of my fear of failure. And then part six, my earthly inheritance. We're going to let go of that. So I'm looking forward to this series. I hope you guys are excited. Come back every week. Bring somebody with you. Um, I think it's really going to encourage us and challenge us. But today we're talking about letting go of my feelings of inadequacy. Now, as a pastor, um, you would think I would be completely secure in myself and as a follower of God and a child of God. But I got to tell you, like, I feel inadequate a lot. Um, I deal with inadequacy, I would say, on a daily basis. You know, I feel like uh, I don't pray enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't read my Bible enough. Um, I feel like I don't preach well enough. In fact, you know, we, we've been going now for over four years. And in those four years, we've had a few people leave our church and for different reasons. But I've had a couple people come to me and say to me, to my face, like, I'm leaving your church because I'm not being fed. By your preaching. And I'm going to this church because they're better than you. Now, you want to talk about feeling inadequate, you know, in that moment. And so that's happened a few times. And, you know, having to deal with that and process that as not just a pastor but as a child of God is something that we all deal with inadequacy, don't we? We all deal with these feelings. I mean, we live in a social media generation where at any second you can look online and compare yourself. The problem is we're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reels. And it's real easy to feel inadequate and get discouraged very quickly, isn't it? It's so easy when you're comparing these things. And, and I get caught up. I mean, I get on Instagram. I'm on Instagram and I love watching Insta stories. And I follow like some friends of mine who pastor big churches or some other churches that are big. And I'll go watch their story after church and be like, man, I feel inadequate real quick. I hear other preachers preach, I feel inadequate real quick, but at the end of the day, God is not looking for us to just achieve things. He's looking for people who will just be obedient to what and who and where he's called them. It's not about our achievements, but that's what we're caught up in. We're caught up in what are we achieving, what are we doing that looks good for man. Our feelings of inadequacy are based in our desire, and we're going to talk about approval uh, down the road in this series, but our desire that people would see us and think we are something great. That's why we deal with inadequacy so often. At the end of the day, though, I think that many of us in this room have got caught up in these feelings of inadequacy, dealing with the challenge of inadequacy, and I just wanted to celebrate our church real quick. Um, don't want to forget to do this because... I don't believe this church is inadequate. I believe God is doing amazing things through this church. And last week we sponsored, now they brought us 63 kids last week, Children's Hope Chest. We sponsored all 63 kids, $2,300 per month, which adds up to $28,728. We will be sponsoring Children's Hope Chest, these kids that are getting an education, learning English in Puerto San Jose, Guatemala. Um, Per year, that is incredible. I know you already clapped, but come on, let's give God some praise again. Because we showed up, and I'm so proud of you. Um, super proud of our church and us doing this. The, the staff from Hope Chest were like, dude, you guys killed it. Like, this was amazing. In fact, a lot of people are still asking for kids because we ran out. And so we're getting some more from them in the next few weeks. And then the exciting part is we are going there the second week of July-ish. I haven't nailed down the dates. I think I'm going to announce it next week. Um, we're nailing down the official dates. Second week of July, we're going to Guatemala. 
on a missions trip, you will be able to see the kid that you sponsor. But if you just want to go on the trip and you're not sponsor a kid, that's fine too. You can come with us. We're going to be doing ministry the whole week there. But if you sponsor a kid, we'd love for you to go and be able to meet them. It's going to be incredible. So I'm super proud of our church and what God's doing. But this whole series is all about taking back the you that's been taken from you. And today specifically talking about these feelings of inadequacy. And I think that we, we deal with this, we struggle with these feelings regularly. Maybe for you it's seeing someone financially successful. And you think like, how can they have so much and I'm barely scraping by? How can they be so successful and I can't even manage a personal budget? I remember I, I, we used to drive around and we'd go buy a really nice car or like a big house. And I remember my mom saying, um, you know, you don't get a house like that by doing anything legal. And, and I like thinking back about that, like that's pretty funny. Um, but what was that? That was like masking feelings of inadequacy. As if anyone that's wealthy did it illegally. I'm sure there are a few that have, but you know, the majority didn't. They did it legal. But that, it makes us feel better when we think that way, doesn't it? Because we feel inadequate. Or maybe you feel spiritually inadequate. You know, I think a lot of you come in here and you see people around you and maybe you're friends with that person that for every situation in their life, they have a Bible verse that they can quote. And you're like, how do they do that? Like, I can't even memorize John 3.16. <laughs> and they have the verse for every aspect of their life. Or that person that's like just an incredible prayer. You know that person that they pray, you're like, that was insane. Um, and then you're literally thinking, God is in heaven going, that was the best prayer I've ever heard. I, like God was definitely thinking that. And then you're sitting there going, I, I can barely put together two sentences in a prayer. They just pray, prayed for five minutes and it was incredible. Like the, the entire room was moved to tears. So we feel spiritually inadequate. You know, I think that as we deal with inadequacy, there's some reasons behind it. There's some reasons that we feel inadequate. And I wrote down a few. I have three reasons we feel inadequate. The first is unfair criticism. I don't know about you, but I've dealt with unfair criticism, and it's really unfair. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, have you ever got unfair criticism where you're like, look, that is not valid. That's not okay. Like, I, I feel like I'm a pretty self-aware person. So when I get criticism and it's valid, I can receive it. And I think we all need to work on our self-awareness um, as human beings, that we would be self-aware and that when someone brings criticism to us, we need to at least stop and listen and say, is there any validity to this? But often we get unfair criticism. There's no validity to it. Um, it's just often people are doing it to lash out at us or because they're hurt and they're trying to hurt us. And so we feel inadequate though. After f receiving unfair criticism, suddenly this inadequacy begins to rise up because we say maybe they were right. Or maybe there was some validity to it. Second reason we feel inadequate is unrealistic compliments. I don't know about you, but I've also had compliments given to me that I'm like, whoa, you just took that to a whole nother level. Uh, like, that's not even fair. That's not even, or that's not even real, realistic. How can you give me that kind of compliment? You, you all seen American Idol, like back in the day. And you know every year there was that one person that got up and sang and they were terrible. And the judge is like, you're horrible. You should never do this. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? No one's ever told me this. You, you remember that, right? 
Why does that happen? Because somebody gave them compliments and told them, you're an amazing singer, and it wasn't realistic. It was unrealistic. And then suddenly when they're faced with reality, this inadequacy begins to rise up. Well, if they had been self-aware, they never would have thought that was their gift in the first place. So we receive unrealistic compliments. Or third reason we feel inadequate is unwise comparisons. You know, there are people that will try to compare us. Um, again, we try to compare our behind the scenes to people's highlight reels. I've been compared to pastors who've been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, being younger as a lead pastor, it's like, hey, I've, we just started the church four years ago. You can't expect us to be and look like a church of 20 years old. And so we have these unwise comparisons that we do. And as a result, we feel inadequate very quickly. You've probably experienced this in your life. Moses dealt with inadequacy. He responds to God, and I read it to you, when he says, who am I? Who am I that you should call me to lead the people out of, is, out of Egypt? Who am I? This inadequacy begins to rise up. And we actually see, for the rest of chapter 3 and the first half of chapter 4, God and Moses debate with one another. And Moses is, and him are going back and forth, and Moses is telling him all the reasons why he should not be the one to go and to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. This is him talking to God. And so I know that with us, um, that most of us probably have never heard the audible voice of God. It can be even harder to often feel inadequate where we regularly walk in an, an inadequacy in our lives. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three embraces to take back the you that's been taken from you. We got to lay some things down, but we got to embrace some things too so we can take back that identity that must be rooted in Jesus Christ. First is this, embrace how God sees you. I want you to know just how God sees you. Ephesians 2.10 says it, for we are his workmanship. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you see that? If you have a Bible, you should underline workmanship. That that is you. That God created you specifically. And he gave you a purpose. You were created for good works that God has already prepared for your life. And all he's looking for is people that will walk in them. That's it. That we will just walk in the good works, in the purpose, in what he's called us to do. That we would just walk in it. You were created for... In, you were created in his work, but you are his workmanship. That is an incredible idea to wrap your mind around. Whenever you feel and, and sense these ideas of inadequacy, you need to grab hold and say, wait a second, I am created by God. I'm his workmanship. He gave me a purpose. He crafted me himself. He made me specifically. I love looking around this room, man. We, we're a diverse church. I love seeing all your different faces and your backgrounds and um, races, ethnicities, all these things. And let me tell you something, it's incredible the workmanship that God has, isn't it? So often we only see the negative, but God is looking at us and saying, look at what I've created in you. we got to embrace how God sees us. You know what I think happened here, Moses, uh, if you know the story, Moses says to God here, he says, who am I? Who am I? And uh, if we look at the story and we go back, Moses um, is born in a time when Pharaoh was like, we got to do some population control. 
the Israelites are getting too large in number. They could actually overtake us if they wanted. So we need to take them out. And so what they do is they begin to kill all the boys that are born. All the boys under two years of age, they murder them. They kill these babies and these children. Population control. And so Moses is born in this time and his mother wants to save him and keep him safe. So she sticks him in a basket and sends him down the river. You know the story. And this is like a really nice kiddie story we tell our kids. It's like, then Moses went in a basket. We didn't tell him about the genocide that just happened, you know, like these kids. They send him down a river and Pharaoh's daughter sees him and grabs him. And she says, you know what, I'm going to raise this child as my own. But she says, I need a nurse to nurse him, to take care of him. And she ends up bringing in Moses' own mother. So Moses' mother gets to pour into him, gets to raise him, gets to spend time with him. And so here is Moses, a prince of Egypt. He grows up. He's a prince of Egypt. Great movie, by the way, throwback. Whitney, Mariah, I mean, one of the greatest songs ever written. I actually listened to it this week. Okay. But. He's raised as a prince of Egypt, and yet he also knows that he is an Israelite child. He is a Hebrew child. He knows. He knows that he's of two worlds. And as he gets older, he sees one day the slave master is beating one of the Hebrews um, because they're enslaved by them. And he gets upset. His anger rises up, and he lashes out. He kills this individual. The Pharaoh finds out, and so he runs for it. He runs, leaves Egypt. He ends up in the land of Midian where he marries a woman, has a family, becomes a shepherd. And for 40 years, he's out in the middle of nowhere. 40 years. I think in this time, I I want you to imagine this because we don't always think about this story. Like we read it so quickly and in the span of a, a few verses, it goes 40 years. And I think in those 40 years, Moses lost some of his identity. He forgot about who he was. Not only a prince of Egypt, but also a child of the Hebrews, one of God's own chosen people. And in this season, he asks, when God finally comes to him and says, I want you to lead my people, he says, who am I? Who am I? I think a lot of us are asking this question. I think a lot of you have asked this question. When God has spoken to you or God has saved you or God has said I have a purpose for you and all we can say is who am I? Who am I? Like I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to offer. But I want to tell you right now that God sees so much in you. You are his workmanship. God sees deliverers as he saw a deliverer in Moses. He sees justice seekers, and I see justice seekers in this church, and that's why we were able to sponsor every kid that they brought us this last week. He sees hope releasers. I see a hope-filled church that will take hope out into the darkness and bring hope to a hopeless world. That is what God sees. He looks at you, and he sees people that were made for good works, for for a purpose, who are his workmanship. Someone told you along the way that you can't, that you couldn't, that you won't, that you never will. But I'm here to tell you, what God wants you to know is that you are not what others say you are. Embrace that God sees you different than you often see you. Embrace who you are and what you were created for, and that is for and with a purpose. 
So I think that one embrace we have to make today that's been taken for us is that we would embrace how God sees us. And we live in a culture that compares all the time, that is caught up in social media and wishing we were doing what other people were doing. And all the while we're missing out that there is a God that sees so much in us. A God that loves us just as we are. A God that says, I created you specifically and for a purpose. We have to embrace how God sees us. Second, embrace is embrace how much is in you. You know there's a lot in you. It's not just how God sees you. It's not just that God believes in you. We got to start believing in ourselves. We got to start believing in what God can do through us as individuals and as a church, Project Church. That we would believe once again. Embrace how much is in you. You see, I think we often only see what we can't do. So I, I didn't read this part, but I don't want to jump to chapter 4 in verse number 10. After God and Moses have kind of deliberated and gone back and forth for a while, Moses says to God, he says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. What does Moses immediately do after God has said, I've called you, I'm choosing you, I want you to lead my people. God has just shown Moses some miracles and Moses' response is, I'm not a good public speaker. We do the same exact thing. God calls us to something. He tags us for a reason. He says, this is what I want you to do. And all we can focus on is the negative. What we don't have. What we're not good at. We get caught up in all the things that we're lacking. And God is saying, you lack that, but I've given you so much more. You may lack that one thing, but I've filled you with all kinds of things. And so today, we need to embrace how much is in us. And I think a lot of us in this place, the reason we're walking around feeling insecure, feeling inadequate, is because we're caught up in all that we don't have. We are a people of lack. We have a lack mindset instead of an abundance mindset. And God has given us an abundance of things that he can use. But all we can focus on is the lack and what we're missing. So he says here to, to God, Moses says, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I, you know that I, I stutter, that, that I've struggled my whole life with this. Like, it can't be me. And so God throws Moses a little bone. And God will do this. If you, if you want to tell God no and not walk into the fullness of what he's calling you to do, he'll say, okay. I'll send you someone alongside you. So he lets Aaron go with Moses. He says, okay, you can have Aaron go with you, which is his brother-in-law. Aaron can speak for you, but you're going to give him the words and you're still the leader. And this is what we often do. We often hold ourselves back from the fullness of what God wants to do with us. Out of fear and insecurity. Out of his feelings of inadequacy. But I want you to see this. And I, I, don't, I want you to take this the right way because... I think that I've preached this before, and I'm confessing that I was wrong right now. And I want you to take this the right way. But I think there's a lie in the church, and I, I'm serious, I think I've proliferated this at times, that God chooses the worst possible candidate. I, I think that's a lie in the church. 
that God chooses the worst possible candidate to do and accomplish his purposes. Here's what I believe. God chooses unlikely candidates. He chooses unlikely people. But I don't believe he chooses the worst possible candidate. I think a lot of us think, okay, God is just looking like for the worst person in the room and he's going to choose them. If it's the worst person, then God will use them. And so some of you are like, I think I'm the worst in here. Maybe God will use me. God chooses unlikely people. But I don't believe God chooses the worst possible candidate. And let me tell you why. Moses is debating with God. And he's saying, God, not me. I can't do it. I'm not a good speaker. Who am I? Why would you choose me? But we got to think about Moses' life. You see, Moses was the most qualified candidate. And here's why. He was the only one that was a child of both worlds. He was the only one that was the son of the Pharaoh and the only one that was a child of the Hebrews. I believe Moses was the only one that could have walked into the courtroom of that Pharaoh and spoke to him and said, let my people go. No one else could have done that except for Moses. God has a purpose in why he's called you and tagged you and chosen you. It's not because you're the worst possible candidate. It's because there's something in you that God can use. And that's what God did with Moses. There was something in him that God could use. You are a prince of Egypt. And you are a child of the Hebrews. You are both. You are the, the brother of this Pharaoh. You are the one that must go in and talk to him and tell my people, and tell him to let my people go. We think it's God only wants the worst possible candidates. No. God uses what's in us. He uses the gifts that you have. He uses the, 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 how you've been crafted, the talents, the abilities. You know that your background, your history, every pain and struggle and trial you've been through, the hurts that you've had in your life, those are all preparing you. And that is why God may choose you to minister to those same kind of people in your life. There's a reason why you've gone through everything you've gone through. God doesn't choose the worst possible candidate. He may choose unlikely people. I've felt unlikely my whole life. But I'm here to tell you, he doesn't choose the worst possible candidate. He chooses the person that he says, that is someone who has something that I could use for this purpose. And there is something in you. That's what I'm here to tell you today. There is something in you. Embrace how much is in you. Embrace that God is, if he's tagged you for a reason, if he's tapped you on the shoulder and said, I got a task for you, you've been tagged for a reason. And it's because of what's in you. It's because that he sees that upon you and he's saying, I'm going to use you to accomplish my purposes. You know, it's, it's a big issue how we see ourselves. There's a big issue around how we see ourselves. And I think a lot of us in this room, like, we just don't see that we have anything to bring. We don't see that we have anything to offer. I have people all the time say, like, I'm not an upfront person. I, I can't be, like, the upfront person. Like, that's not me. Yeah, maybe you're, that's not you. But you can be a servant behind the scenes. You can serve behind the scenes wherever God's calling you to serve. I've seen people that come to me and say, look, I'll never have the words to say. I'm like Moses. Like, I'll never be eloquent. But you know what you can be and what you are? You may be the greatest listener in this room. 
You can listen to the people around you. You can listen to those people that are hurting. And you can speak words of life into them as you listen to them. You may be here saying, man, I don't make six figures. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> don't make six figures, but you know what? Maybe you're a mom in this place and God's saying, yeah, but I want you home every night with your children. I want you there for every moment in their lives. You see, we all are called for a purpose, for a reason. God tags us for certain tasks and for certain calls, and we have to be willing to walk into those. But it starts with embracing that there's something in you that God wants to use. You may be unlikely, but you're not the worst possible candidate. God wants to use what's in you. He wants to use everything you've been through to touch someone in your life, to touch someone in this world. Finally today, the third embrace is to embrace how much it's not about you. You know, I love this dichotomy in the kingdom of God. There's this dichotomy that there's so much in us and yet it's not about us. This dichotomy in the kingdom of God that, man, we have amazing talents and and God's put so much inside of us and we're his workmanship. And yet, at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about him. That's the kingdom of God. You see, I think that when, when Moses says to God, who am I? This is a great opportunity for God to deal with Moses' um, issues and feelings of insecurity. Like God could have said, oh, Moses... No, you're a really special old man now. Like Moses, you're really talented. And he, you know, he could have said all these great things. You're a man of valor and you're a man of courage. And he could have spoke in this moment to just like dispel Moses' insecurity and said, oh, Moses, you're so amazing. You're the best. But that's not what God did. I think it's really interesting what God does and how he responds. You see, here in verse 11, when Moses says to him, like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What is God's response to Moses? He says, but I will be with you. That's it. But I will be with you. He didn't address Moses' insecurity. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't just about Moses. You see, so many of us are worried about knowing us, I just got to know myself better. I talk to people all the time. It's like, I'm going to get away. I'm going to go to Europe to find myself for six months. I'm like, oh, have fun. We're in this culture. It's like, you just got to know yourself, know you. It's not about knowing you. It's about knowing him. It's not about knowing more about who you are. It's about knowing more about who God is. Because if you know who God is, then you know all you need to know about you. It's that it's, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what I have. It's about what he has. When you know him, you know that that's what you need. You need more of him. So God says to him, he says, all you need to know is I'll be with you. I'm not going to just, he doesn't say I'm going to take away your stuttering. He doesn't say I'm going to make you the greatest leader you've ever been. No, I'll be with you. You don't need to worry about anything else. I'll be with you. We got to know God's identity. Be more concerned with knowing the God that we serve than anything else.
I think the reason so many of us are insecure or dealing with feelings of inadequacy is because we are so self-reliant and we're not God-reliant. We're all about how we can do it, how we can accomplish it, how we can make this happen. And at the end of the day, it can't be about you because you will fail. But when you are reliant on the God that you serve, then the results don't matter. That's how I want to live my life. I say, look, God, all I want to do is be obedient. All I want to do is walk faithful. All I want to do is step into and go where you're calling me to go. The results are up to God. When you're God-reliant, you don't worry about what the results are. You just worry about walking in obedience. Step by step, day after day. You're calling me to go there, God? I'll go. You're calling me to start this, this company? I'll start this company. You're calling me to work this job? I'll work this job. The results are up to him. God-reliant people walk in obedience and leave the results up to the God that they serve. But we're so self-reliant. You know, I love the end of this story or this little section where Moses, he starts, you know, debating with God. He's telling God, like, I can't do this. Who am I? Why would you choose me? And God says, I'll be with you. Take your staff and throw it on the ground. So Moses takes his staff, he throws it on the ground, it turns into a snake. Slithering around. He says, Moses, pick it back up. He picks it back up, it turns back into a staff. He says, Moses, take your hand, stick it in your cloak. So he does, he sticks it in his robe, his cloak. He says, pull it out. He pulls it out, it's covered in boils and leprosy. It's all nasty. He says, put it back in, puts it back in. Take it out, takes it out, it's back to normal. After seeing those miracles, then Moses says to God, that verse that I read to you in chapter 4, verse number 10, he says, I'm not eloquent. You know I've stuttered my whole life. And this is right after seeing these miracles. And so God throws him a bone and says, okay, fine, Moses. You don't want to speak. I'll let Aaron go with you. I'll, you can bring Aaron. You can bring your brother-in-law. You're going to tell him the words to say. You're going to be the leader, but he'll speak for you. And then Moses responds right after that. He's just seen miracles. He's just had God say, fine, you can take Aaron. And this is Moses' immediately, immediate response right after that in this passage. He says, send someone else. That blew my mind when I was reading it this week. Send someone else. He says, anyone but me. Just choose someone else. Here's what I've seen. I've seen that in the, the church we get caught up in this false humility. Where we say, you know, I want someone else to have an opportunity. I want someone else to be able to go. I want someone else to have that chance. I want someone else to be on that platform. I want someone else to serve in that role. I, like not me. It needs to be someone else. Like choose someone else, God. And I'm here to tell you right now, if God has spoken to you and said, I want to send you, then he's chosen you and he wants to send you for a reason and a purpose. Stop choosing and saying send someone else because you know what that is? And you know what Moses was dealing with? He wasn't being humble. He was afraid. He wasn't so humble that he had tons of faith. He was faithless. He was afraid. He didn't think he could do it. He was lacking faith. And I want to tell you right now, when it's not about you, whatever God asks you to do, you will do it. 
Because it's not about you getting the glory, it's about him getting the glory. If God says go there, you're going to go. Not for you, but for him. We got to embrace. It's not about us. I still can't believe that Moses here said, send someone else. And I think we have a room with some people in here that God has continued to push you, to speak to you, to call you, to give you and say, I want you to do this. And we've continued to say to him, send someone else. We've continued to say, like, anybody but me. We've continued to say, who am I? But I wanted you to hear tonight or today, this afternoon, whatever it is. I wanted you to hear that you have more than you know. Because you know the one that can give you more than you could ever know. You have the one that could give you more than you could ever know in and of yourself. So today, my challenge to you before we go is that if God is calling you to something, if God is speaking you to you to do something, to step out in faith, to, to go somewhere, to walk into some ministry, to serve in some area, that, you, that we would no longer be the people that say, send someone else, but we would say, here am I. We live in a culture that our first response is no. But we need a church that will say, I will go. Here am I, send me. We're so quick to say no, and we need to do what people say, I'll go. God, you want me to go? I'll go. Not no, but I'll go. That's what I'm looking for. That's the person I want to be. I believe we have a church that's going to be a church that says we will go. We'll go where you've called us. We won't say send someone else. We'll say, here am I, send me. Today, I know that we have people that came in from all different backgrounds You've experienced all different things in your life. And maybe you're in this room, you don't know Jesus. This church is all about Jesus. You see, the identity and true identity is found in the person and the Savior of Jesus Christ. He came and lived a perfect life and died a terrible death so that you could have life and life to the fullest. Life eternal. And today you have an opportunity to lay down whatever it is you've been trying to do in your own power and your own strength. Maybe you've been holding on to what you wanted for your life. Today is your day to lay it down and say, you know what, I'll take up the identity that is found in him, the Savior of the world. Would you bow your heads with me? Cross this place.